welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and returning to the program today is Dr. David Taubin, Emeritus Clinical Professor and recently retired Chief of the Division of Pain Medicine at the University of Washington. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, Dr. Taubin is the former Chief of the Pain Service at the University of Washington for over eight years. He and I have practiced together in the pain world um, since the mid-1980s, and we really trained each other a lot of things about pain, probably at least half the medication knowledge I know of from chronic pain comes from Dr. Taubin. And so we've both evolved a lot. He has a tremendous passion for teaching medical students. As most of you know, I have said this a lot, that doctors aren't bad people, but we are not trained correctly in the right paradigm of chronic pain. So patients are frustrated, doctors are frustrated, very few doctors enjoy treating chronic pain. And I'm going to call him David, we're best friends. Uh, Are we best friends, David? (laughs) I don't know. Brother this, by another mother is what I call it. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we've been through a lot together. So, um, yeah, we just have always taken on the most difficult patients. We've supported each other. We've taught each other. We go on ski trips together. And guess what? We talk about pain. <laughs> so we have a passion for it because we, we also see a lot of incredible results. That's one reason it drives us. So, David, welcome back to the show. And I would we the first podcast we did, we talked about the need to listen the need to be heard, your passion for teaching medical students and moving forward. And then you have some concepts, that, some of your core concepts that push you forward that you mentioned between the, uh, between the episodes. Could you sort of give a, a perspective on your general approach to the patient about how they take care of themselves in the midst of the system that's pretty broken? Uh, well, I think the key is in uh, recognizing that people with chronic pain are isolated. Uh, they're isolated uh, from many of the activities that give them a meaning and purpose. They're isolated uh, from family and friends. Uh, they're isolated from their own respect. So there's a, they begin to lose their respect because they can't meet their goals. Uh, it's just challenging. Uh, and the important component uh, of helping overcome uh, some of those challenges is by listening. Uh, and by listening to the patients, you can acknowledge. Uh, their story. Uh, Pain is usually invisible. Uh, Whatever the images show, as you know, as an orthopedic surgeon, it doesn't matter how bad the spine image looks uh, in many cases of chronic pain, and certainly in some it does. Uh, It's more about what the experience of the pain is for that patient. And the only way you're going to capture that is by listening. I think it's important also that uh, you're listening to a patient who is asking the right questions uh, because uh, I, I can listen to a whole lots of stuff uh, that this study did this and this doctor did this to me and this surgeon did that to me and this physical therapist harmed me in this way and the psychologist as well. I think I can listen to a lot of complaints, uh, which really is not helpful. Uh, I really think it's important that the patient comes in with the right questions. They're prepared for the visit in a way that I can be most helpful. And why do you think complaining is not so helpful? Uh, complaining is negative thinking. Complaining is why is this didn't work. 
uh, it's important for me to know why they felt it didn't work. But complaining, it's important. I don't want to overstate that. Uh, the word complaining, of course, people come in with a chief complaint. It's the term we use in the business. Uh, but uh, coming in, you know, fists up, ready to go, preset to be uh, unheard, preset to be considered a loser, preset right. to be denied access to things that they feel may be giving them benefit and why you're not giving it. It really sets the stage for dysfunctional communication. You don't start angry and start with a fight. Uh, right. The system, often for many people with years, decades of pain, has been frustrations, anger, disavowal, discharge, accusations of being an addict, accusations of being uh, uh, a faker, you know, all that uh, negative communication uh, precedes. In fact, uh, often patients are called, oh, another chronic pain patient. I mean, I can't right. think of a more disparaging term uh, in, my, in our business, uh, that must be for another chronic pain patient. Uh, an insight. Well, I think that's a really critical point because it's one thing to say this is a person who is suffering from chronic pain versus label them a chronic pain patient. So this person is suffering. And of course, as you know, their anger is totally legitimate because they're in misery. They estimate that the impact of chronic pain on a person's life is equivalent to having terminal cancer. Two research papers show that. So they're trapped, they're bounced around, they're legitimately frustrated and angry. And why should they trust either one of us? I mean, why, who are we, right? So you can't blame them for being angry. What, but you and I both see tremendous turnarounds all the time. What do you think patients can do for themselves? Because you and I can talk about the broken system for a long time. Not enough time, too many procedures that don't work, endless disappointments, et cetera. All those tend to make pain worse. So this system is not going to change anytime soon. And certainly not for the listeners today who are in pain right now and want some answers. What are some of the things that patients can do for themselves to actually help themselves out of pain? Uh, well, I think the big challenge, let me preface that, is that many of the clinicians they're seeing uh, don't really have a lot of training in pain. So they need you as a patient to come in to ask the right questions. And I'm going to uh, uh, acknowledge Lorimer Mosley, who uh, I know you know well, David, He's, you've hosted him here for events, as have I. He's a physical therapist with a you know, doctorate uh, uh, in uh, brain science in, in Australia. And he was struggling uh, uh, in terms of changing the conversation with patients. Uh, um, and felt that the lack of uh, knowledge of the providers uh, was a barrier. And he wasn't able to get the providers to take the initiative to get this additional training. So he uh, uh, reported to me that they got some funds, uh, hired a public relations firm to find three questions that a patient with chronic pain should be prepared to ask. And he said tongue-in-cheek uh, to me that if all the patients start asking these questions, the doctors are going to have to learn what the correct answers are. Right. Uh, and that was just Lormer's general frustration with these systems problems. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase him a bit, but what really struck me uh, was uh, how it is a great opening 
even if you had a long-term relation with a doc, but it's a great way of reframing the whole conversation. Uh, and the first question that he recommends requires an understanding of pain. And that's why I want to compliment you here, David. The work you've been doing, you're back in control, really lays it out in a very clear message of a threat, an alarm, alarm that says something's dangerous, the fear and anxiety and distress that that uh, unregulated sensation is producing uh, uh, is uh, very important. Uh, and, and so coming in prepared with that understanding uh, in that appointment, uh, and he frames it as uh, the patient should ask, uh, is my pain system broken? In other words, is the uh, uh, wiring and the brain central nervous system response in connection to peripheral nervous system, all those mechanisms, is it just not working? Uh, I mean, you're talking about in that particular patient? Yes. So the, in other words, the, is, my pain system, is my pain system broken? Yes. Yeah, correct. Uh, and then let me, let me make a statement that you may or may not agree with. And by the way, I have to give Dr. Talbot a tremendous amount of credit because a lot of the book evolved by Dr. Talbot disagreeing with me <laughs> and challenging every word I said. And what's even more difficult than Dr. Talbot is his partner, Dr. Jim Robinson, who's even more difficult than Dr. Talbot. But we've had endless discussions about the, the details of chronic pain. And it's been really quite productive, I think, for everybody. Um, but yeah, the question is that acute pain is necessary for life. If you're not born without an acute pain system, you really can't survive. But I do say, and this is where you might disagree with me, there is really nothing useful about suffering from chronic pain. Is that a fair statement? Dave, this may be, I'm glad it's being recorded. It's an opportunity for us to agree on the first opening. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well done, Dave. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, it, it actually is dysfunctional uh, and disruptive in life and is a way to then cycle back and reactivate the sensitivity of the pain system. So it's counterproductive uh, to overall recovery. Uh, and recognizing that this signal, it's like a broken car alarm is an analogy I use. Okay. Uh, and the car alarm is, you know, if you live in an urban area or even a suburban area, your neighbor's car alarm is going off all the time you get pretty upset and I sometimes hear it across the street from me and I wonder, is this my car alarm? Uh, it's waking everyone, it's annoying, it's loud, it's intrusive. Uh, uh, and in a person with chronic pain, uh, this is from patients themselves who describe this, it's like being in the car where the alarm is broken. So right. you're in that car and it's screaming and you're the only one who can hear it. Right frustrating cannot be and you can't turn it off right so it's a it's a real trap but understanding how the alarm could activate when there's nothing wrong a leaf falls on the car and it activates the alarm system you bring right. it to alarm mechanics they reduce the sensitivity of the alarm and everything's fine this is what we're looking for in our patients right. to be able to identify that the alarm is broken not the car and there's no threat to the car. It's just a leaf on the dashboard or a wind. Uh, but recognizing that and basically asking, I know I've got these findings. I know I've seen a lot of people. I've had surgeries, whatever the background is. I have you know, a chronic inflammatory disorder. Uh, whatever the principal problem is, the amount I'm having, the amount of pain I'm having is so significant for me. I wonder if my pain system is broken. 
right. the signal commensurate with the threat that would ordinarily have to go to an emergency room or another surgery or take drugs. Is the system broken? And what, what do you generally tell them? Uh, I use that metaphor. I use metaphors uh, and uh, analogies. Uh, Dan Claude, who you know uh, well, uh, he's done a lot of work in uh, fibromyalgia, which is a very, very frustrating uh, condition for patients, was considered by many fakery and psychiatric condition. It is well established as having a broken pain system. Uh, he right. uses a great analogy, and with uh, my son, big Van Halen fan, I've been listening to Van Halen with him a bit, um, and use a guitar analogy that Dan actually uses. Uh, imagine an electric guitar uh, that's plugged into the amp. The amp is plugged into the wall, but it's not turned on. So you pluck the strings of the guitar, you barely hear it. You can pluck it hard enough, you can actually hear it, and you can play tunes without it being plugged in. That's a numbed pain system. It's connected, right. nothing's working. So turn okay. volume up to two or three. Boom, you know, it's a lot of noise when you pluck that string. And you could, you know, rub your finger on the string and you get a sound just from rubbing the string a bit. Uh, that's a normally functioning pain system. I'm only using a one to 10 here. So imagine turning it up to 10. You pluck that string, it actually caught, jolts you back because it's so loud. It annoys everyone in the house, your neighbors even, whatever, uh, because it's just so loud, so intrusive. And then if you bring the guitar up to the amp, what do you get? Feedback, where right. it, you don't have to touch the string. It's just screaming without you having to do anything. Is the guitar broken or is it the amp set too high? Right. I think that's, that's a great, that's a great analogy. That's really excellent. I mean, one thing I want to just make it stop just for a second, because there's a new term out in medicine that's going to be actually pretty upset called medically unexplained symptoms. And the symptoms are completely explained by the current neuroscience and the analogy you just use that the whole, every system in the body is incredibly balanced, especially the pain system. And that amp analogy is incredible so these are not medically unexplained symptoms they are completely explained yes. there's not explained to surgeons very well well they're not explained to i'm not going to pick you know, you can pick on your own special i can say they're not explained to family medicine the primary care specialties the general right. medicine. it's not well understood so we have a big job to talk about the role of medical student education nursing education uh, pharmacy education, uh, psychology education, re, uh, P, uh, physical therapy, OT, uh, social work education. It's an interprofessional job. But if the patient comes in educated and they ask that question, I have this condition. It has been frustrating. It's been producing a huge amount of problems. It's been called medically unexplained. Could it be explained by the fact that my pain system is broken? Right. No, it's a great question. You see, you had two more questions you said that are important for patients. Okay. Uh, the other question is, is there anything I could do about it? In other words, can you do anything for me to be able to help myself? Okay. Uh, and that's a hard answer because the clinician is going to ha have to understand what can be done about a broken pain system. And right. A great fixing broken pain system is not going to come from surgery. Right. Fixing the guitar. Yeah. Right. You need guitar repair. And uh, there may be a short circuit somewhere and the strings are broken. I'm, you know, I have to ask my son who knows how to do all this uh, on his own guitar. 
know, what it takes. Clearly, treatments are, can be focused on that. But when the guitar is not broken, how do I fix the amp? And that's the central nervous system. Right. Most effective treatments for central nervous system functional recovery, as well as we know right now, uh, for pain, have, have been self-management. Right. Top down, central nervous system out to the periphery. Top down management, uh, and that's a host of uh, behavioral, mind-body, physical activation, general exercise, uh, and a whole host of things that the patient is going to need to do. Uh, well, I'm going to make I'm going to make a comment which you might agree with twice in one show on, but everybody's different, and that's why patient-centered medical decision making is important. And that's why you right. have to listen, and then you need to say, "So, is there anything I can do about it?" My answer would be, "What have you tried that you think may have worked?" So you go in prepared with something that you thought had some potential or you've heard about it, you've been paying attention to these podcasts or you've read Hanscom's book that he brings up. Is there something there that's interesting to you? You've heard it might happen. Uh, you tried it, it gave an inkling of hope. Uh, bring that up. Do you think that doing some mind-body, you think that yoga would help? Would Tai Chi help me some? Uh, would relaxation help me some? Would specialized uh, graded motor imagery work with your physical therapist. Uh, if you come in with that kind of vocabulary, uh, the clinician is going to respect you a lot. Right. Because you're right. And it's not a bunch of complaints. You're coming in with some of the answers, uh, some of the recommended solutions you want some help with. Uh, I, I used to joke with the chair of my department. Uh, I would say my goal is to come in with the problem outline the nature of the problem and i'm going to give you my recommendation and i'm going to want to know if you can agree with that uh makes his job easier it also gets me what i want because i don't get sidetracked by things that it's going to be uh that i don't disagree with and have to talk about i'm going to come in with a suggestion do you think right. this might help and if the recommendation is i don't think it's going to help how come and i don't think we should have a contest of wits with with the doctor, but just provocative. It says that you're open-minded to doing these kinds of things and you're willing to recognize that it's not going to come out of a bottle or at the, the sharp edge of a scalp uh, or a particular nerve block, which may play a very important role in temporary relief, functional recovery, et cetera, but a long-term resolution of a chronic condition is managed Look at diabetes, hypertension, coronary disease. Every single chronic disease requires self-management as the goal. Right. Understanding your condition, full engagement in the recommended plans, identifying obstacles to prevent you from being able to accomplish those goals, and having an expert team who understands what to do. So question two then is, is there anything I can do about it? And I got to tell you, I have a list of 50 things to do, uh, every patient coming in. And I what do you think might be helpful for you? And I immediately establishes acknowledgement of the suffering and uh, acknowledgement that I understand the question and their circumstances and my expertise, the fact that I have the knowledge as a MD uh, or a DO or as a clinical psychologist, whoever it is you're talking with, to be able to give the guidance on, on that approach. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Irving, who's one of our really 
one of our favorite colleagues pointed out really pointed out to me many years ago that the number one factor that determines the prognosis of solving chronic pain is simply openness to engagement, just open to ideas, learning, and then eventually using your medical team as partnership, you can figure out your own solution. And that, and that means you don't need a lot of med- psychiatric testing to figure this out. You know, the question is, are you willing to learn? And from then on, why things start to change. And then the, thir- then the third, you asked, you, you named the, the fact that we had two more to go, though. Third, uh, it, uh, according to Laura Mosley, again, I'll give him credit, but it really resonated with me, is am I going to hurt myself doing it? Right. What's the fear of being hurt again by it? Uh, another surgery, a physical therapist, it's typically a problem. Um, and then you can ex- spend the time understanding, and you mentioned Jim Robinson, a rehabilitation medicine specialist, uh, that the physical therapy that hurt you was the wrong physical therapy. I'm an intern, so I give the wrong antibiotic, you don't get better. If I give the wrong blood pressure drug, I'm gonna make you faint. Uh, you know, so I can change the specific treatment. So there's lots of different approaches. Uh, and he recommends, I think a really important thing is identifies what the, is the activity, pick one activity from a long list of things you can't do right now that would make your life a little better. Uh, and often, uh, you know, older people, they can play with their grandchildren, or, you know, play golf, do a sport, go to the kid's ball game, you know, do house, whatever the, the idea is, it's going to come from the patient. They're going to say, I would like to be able to do this. Then they go to the physical therapist and they work on just the body mechanics associated with accomplishing just that act. Right. Just on the patient goal. They see improvement. They say, you know, this is going to work. Let me add to that the next thing. And you begin to accrete successes, which raises hope, uh, which raises energy, uh, which increases the reliance on uh, trusting they're the overall recommendations. Uh, they're setting expectations that it's going to fail. It'll fail. So right. you're going to succeed. It succeeds. Uh, it's human nature and it's how the brain and the body interact. What right. you expect is what you're going to get, uh, especially right. when it's in the central nervous system. Correct. So this is fantastic. And as, as the audience can tell, I mean, we're just talking about the smallest fraction of, what we know and what we've learned and what we're excited to share. So Dave, before we um, close here, could you just quickly review the three questions again that the patient can use to help themselves get better when they deal with their clinicians. Um, just really quickly review those for me really quickly. Yeah, sure. Uh, is my pain system broken? Okay. Is there anything I can do about it? And am I gonna hurt myself in the process? Right. And notice each one of those questions had the word me or my in there, right? Yes, and it's the patient's perspective on that. And they're the expert on their own experience. Now, this is from Mark Sauvin. The patient right. is the expert on their experience of their disease. Right. Uh, in this case, you, with talking to, uh, to people who have had chronic pain, uh, you are the expert on your condition. The medical right. Mission brings expertise, but you are ultimately the expert on your condition. And the issue is being able to understand your condition right. well enough that you don't get sidetracked on a bunch of future failures and are willing to take it on. The 
some component of it that you get to choose as being the most effective. And finally, that you're not fearful of it because you had a side effect of a drug once before or the physical therapy didn't go as well as you had hoped. Uh, doesn't mean they failed. Uh, right. It means you got to use the, your clinician's expertise and experience and knowledge to be able to find a, an alternative approach. Right. Your success, David, is your persistence and your being there with right. your presence. And that generates therapeutic alliance with you. You're after what the patient needs. You care about the patient. The secret of the care of the patient is in care. They can, people can feel that, of course. Right. Your neurons reverberate uh, right. these kind of feelings. Uh, no, no, I do agree. I think that's an interesting point to finish up with here because, you know, you know, Joe Conoco and Gordon Irving, yourself and Jim and myself and a bunch of other clinicians that we know, um, the biggest factor is we are willing to stick with you as long as you're willing to stick with us. I mean, I don't have a particular time frame. Um, I have, I've had patients not get better for a couple of years. I've had patients get better in three days. I mean, I, it, whatever it takes, wherever a person is at, if you're not ready to believe or go to work, that's okay. We're still here when you get back and decide to, to work with us. But, they, but that patient-physician relationship, I think whatever approach you use is secondary to the fact that you can establish a deep relationship with your provider. I think that's really a key issue here. So David, thank you very, very much. Um, reminds that we're overdue for some serious pain talks here. <laughs> I haven't had my fix for a while. And uh, so I really appreciate you taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule to, uh, you know, to talk to us today. Very nice. Well, it's been my honor and a tribute to you, David, uh, for the, all the work you've done in this as well. And to your listeners who've been putting up with you for a long time. And that's all, that's all compliments. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. David Taubin, for being on the show today and for discussing the three questions every patient should ask their physician about their chronic pain. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.